You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. On this episode of Cheesehead Radio, the Packers pull out a nail biter, but finally stay committed to the run game. We examine first year Packers at the quarter season mark, and then go over the injury report leading up to the London game. Four quarters of Packers Talk. Right here on Cheesehead Radio. Hello again, Cheesehead Nation. It's time for some Packers news, fun, and frivolity here on Cheesehead Radio. Now in our 13th season doing this crazy thing. As usual, our esteemed host tonight are C.D. Angeli of Packers Talk, known as Tundra Vision on Twitter. Kelly Hodgson of Cheesehead Radio, known as That Packer Girl on Twitter. And lastly, little old me, Jersey Al of Packers Talk and Cheesehead TV. You can find me at Jersey Al GBP on Twitter. Our longtime friends at Ticket King are back as official sponsors of Cheesehead Radio and all the Packers Talk podcasts. Ticket King has been in business for more than 25 years and has offices across the street from Lambeau Field and in Milwaukee. For Packers tickets, visit their website today at theticketking.com. That's theticketking.com. That would be it for the preliminaries. Let's get started. Well, guys, I know it's been almost a week since the game took place, but, you know, it's probably a game we should have forgotten by now. And yet it just kind of hangs in your memory. This win that just didn't feel like a win. Not fulfilling. Is that what you're trying to say? It's like bad sex. You know, it's sex. It's a win. But it just doesn't feel that good when you're done. You know, it's just it. it no, it was just I, I don't know. That's never happened to me, CD. So I don't know oh. what you're talking about. Anyway, moving on. Anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> let's not go down that uh, that path, right? So we've got a third string, fourth round pick rookie quarterback who comes into the game and looks like he's about ready to poop his pants. First time action in the NFL, but he does not. Huh? What? Okay. <laughs> okay. Random. Um, so anyway, uh, the quarterback comes in. We're like, okay, you know, we were thinking this was going to be kind of close with Brian Hoyer, yada, yada, yada. Oh, now they got this kid in. The kid looked good. The kid actually uh, was completing some passes. Let's not get crazy. Here. Let's not he, get crazy. He did not poop the bed like right. he, he did. Right. He didn't. He didn't make bad mistakes. I'm not going to say that he looked good. Okay, he threw some some duck passes. You know, that look like some of the worst passes I've ever seen. However, when your receiver is open by ten yards, it doesn't really matter much, does it? Exactly. No, it doesn't. And so, at times, he still looked better than Aaron Rodgers. Well, during the first half, man. Right. Oh, yeah. So what's really coming into play here? Maybe it was less this third string quarterback. It's been a recurring theme with the Packers this season that running backs appear to have some pretty good leverage getting down the field. Uh, you can go back to the Vikings, go back to Chicago. I mean, running backs, if the other team would commit to the run, <laughs> I think we'd be in a lot of trouble, to be honest with you, because they, they seem to do pretty well. Yeah. Um, I mean, New England, the, the second half, 
they actually did commit to the run, right? I mean, they only threw four passes in the second half, and they scored two touchdowns by doing that. Now, eventually, you know, towards the end of the game, the Packers managed to find a way to get off the field, um, but, you know, that's uh, that's something that you got to think about moving forward is, are they going to be able to do that, or, you know, can they find any kind of consistency? And what was really maddening about this game is, you know, with the QB3, it was going to be run heavy, and we didn't adapt at all to it, it seemed like. You know, and you would think that with our line, you know, we've this has been such a highly touted defense. As you recall, I said, I believe in our last show of the preseason, this is the best defense the Packers have ever had in history. <laughs> I tried to warn you about saying on that. On paper. <laughs> I tried but, to warn you. Well, no, actually, I was agreeing because I was saying I'm skeptical <laughs> till I see it in real life. But, you know, everyone kept saying how great. And really, it is. It's, it's a great defense on, you know, Devondra Campbell. We got in Quay Walker. You got Kenny Clark. You got uh, uh, you got all these past Pre- Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary. There's so many big names on, on, these, on this front seven. But the front seven, I don't know what's happening, but there's these holes opening up for these running backs consistently. And sometimes they're not even that great at running backs, but they're really getting through. So I don't know what the schematics are with this. I don't know if this is part of, I don't know. I don't know where the schemes are that are not stopping the run, but you think you would just put guys into places to plug holes and this should fix itself. But it didn't matter. It seemed like I was trying to sort it out myself. It didn't matter on any play. It was different people failing every time. It wasn't like Devondre Campbell was screwing up or, you know, Kenny Clark. It was, it was whoever was supposed to be there was not. It was, it, it was like a wide open go for it. You know, go get seven, eight, nine yards every play. Well, two two issues that that I saw. Um, one was was Dean Lowry. He was getting he was getting manhandled. I mean, he was getting pushed back. Um, you know, he did not have his best game. Uh, we've seen this before from him. Um, that's one issue. The other issue really, and, you know, I have to say it's our first round draft pick Quay Walker against the run. You know, if you're talking inside runs, it's going to take him a while to figure out how to avoid those offensive guards coming at him or how to get away from them. You know, that's really the only, the only part of his game so far, and it's only been for, for, uh, games that he struggled with a little. And it was, this was kind of expected, you know? I mean, he's a sideline to sideline guy. He can chase people down. But, you know, can he, is he strong enough yet to survive inside, you know? And, and that's, so to me, those were like two, two weak spots in the middle there, which uh, contributed to the New England success there. So how do we correct that? Because Quay Walker, there's going to be a learning curve. Yeah, I mean, you can't just magically correct it, right? I mean, he, he's he needs time in the league, right? He's got to get bigger and stronger. He's got to he's got to learn. I mean, he can he can learn better techniques in the interim, but physically, he just has to get a little stronger to stand up to these guards that are coming at him. So we had two plays uh, on the game here, and I'm assuming uh, Al, you put these in here. <clears throat> Talk about this 14 point swing that. And we and we actually had this the week before as well against Tampa Bay. Just you know, a game of inches that had this worked out, the game would have never been close. What what was what were the guilty issues in this game? Oh, Rogers guilty. 
<laughs> guilty of a horrible pass, right? I mean, I don't know what he what he was thinking in that in that first half. I mean, he what he what did he go four for eleven? I think he was in the first half with a pick six. Yeah, yeah, it was four that, for eleven. That, yeah, that, that that interception was just a horrible pass. Ill advised from the moment he decided to throw it, and then he threw a horrible pass on top of the bad decision. So it was, you know, easiest pick six that guy will ever get in his life, whoever it was. Um, so that was number one. And the other one was the was the you know near touchdown to Romeo Dobbs, where you know he caught the ball, but then didn't take it all the way to the ground, and the ball came out as he as he hit the ground, which in you know previous iterations of NFL seasons the the uh, ground couldn't call fumbles cause fumbles, but that's not the case anymore. Um, so anyway, that was ruled not a touchdown, and those are 14 points right there, you know. Uh, 14 point swing and you know we're not biting our nails the whole fourth quarter in overtime like we were I mean really I was I was like tortured watching this game I'm like like this is torture well I, it was interesting seeing how the guys calling the game were trying to give Rodgers the benefit of the doubt he's like oh he's shaking his head because he's He's doubting himself or he's doubting his connections. It's like, no, honey, the call's coming from from the inside the house. It's 100% on Rodgers. He was so off in throwing really inaccurate passes, sloppy passes, where he was not on the mark, where he demands his receivers to be on the mark, where he was. And I'm pretty sure the receivers were exactly where they needed to be, but Rodgers wasn't. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it was funny. There was a, a person on Twitter who had, tweeted at me and said, you know, if you really think about it, the most of the team was just fine. We just need more consistent play from our quarterback and we'll be just fine. And I responded, I says, me and the quarterback, who's the two time reigning MVP and future hall of famer and is the richest NFL contract in NFL history. That's who we need more consistent play from. (laughs) That should be the given. And yet once again, it's this week after week, as Rodgers go, so go the Packers. And I guess there's a, obviously there's a level of frustration we have with that. We needed Rodgers just simply to wake up in order for that to be our big halftime adjustment. Yeah, I mean, that was it. And evidently Bakhtiari said something to him um, at halftime, you know, that I don't know if he, if he was blunt enough to tell him, Hey, you're really sucking or whatever he said, but, uh, <laughs> if yeah, anybody I could, could do it, would be Bakhtiari. Right. That's why I'm saying that, you know, I could see him just come down and say, Hey, that really sucked. You know, how about you play better the second half? <clears throat> but in any case, um, whatever happened at, at halftime and, you know, Rogers, he was asked about this actually, um, like what? What did you tell yourself at halftime to to make the change that, that we saw? And he he started out with the well, I've been a great player in this league for a very long time. And boom, the Mike McCarthy you know uh, flashbacks just went to me about the right. highly successful coach uh, in this league for a long time. So he started the answer like that, and and uh, I just found it rather humorous, but. Uh, you know, whatever the, whatever it was that he did, certainly he, he improved uh, his play the second half and looked more like Aaron Rodgers in the second half. Uh, and there was there was another aspect to the offense, which, uh, you know, I, I think we'll get into in the second quarter. But definitely the the big difference was um, Aaron Charles Rodgers. 
totally never a recurring theme on the show. But anyway, that'll bring us to the end of the first quarter. Um, It's a win because they won, okay? It's not a pretty win. It's a win. The wins are wins win. Bad sex win. Okay, moving on to the second quarter. So... This speaking of things that speaking of things that's a common theme, by the way, <laughs> we've only been talking about this for what the last like thirteen years of the show. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> you know, you really have a, a a feel that a you have running back one a and running back one a, and Aaron Jones in particular is just off to a monster start. He's killing it. Just a monster start. I mean, AJ Dillon is is fine. <laughs> I mean. We'd be okay if he was our only running back, but we have this guy who was just becoming a monster out there. I think I made the comment during the game. I remember back in the early 2000s or the early noughts, which is not what I'm, I'm word I'm not supposed to use, I guess. But not yes, because it makes you sound like you're 85 years old. That is why we yeah. are the no, the people who do not say not. We are okay. So in the early 2000s, there was a point in time if you remember. It was kind of the the running headline. This is no longer Brett Favre's team. This is Amon Green's team. Do you remember that time when we had that really awesome uh, offensive line and Amon Green was just taking games over? And I was like, are we at that point now where Aaron Jones could be that guy, that this is his team? Maybe. If they would just commit to him, correct? With Aaron Rodgers as the quarterback? Exactly. (laughs) I don't think so. However... You know, I want to I want to throw some kudos the way of the of the Packers, which is, you know, not like me. But uh, (laughs) we've talked about staying committed to the run balance on offense. The Packers have talked about staying committed to the run balance on offense. The Packers have talked about getting Aaron Jones the right number of touches and A.J. Dillon. Well, you know what? They actually did it this game. Right. I mean, they actually did it. Right. Uh, in the first half, 12 rushes. In the second half, 14. In the overtime, eight. They actually did it, and I believe the total passes was only two for the game was only two or three more than rushes. And I can't remember the last time we saw anything like. Hi, can anybody help me there? Like, what decade are we talking about? What Amon, era? Green. Amon Green. Is Amon Green. Amon Green. Maybe Eddie Lacy. Ooh, I wouldn't even. No, uh, no, I don't think what, so. uh, because that is, was Rogers in his prime. He was exactly. throwing it all. Yeah. Um, so you know they did it, and um, I got so tired of after every game where the Packers disappointed and the floor would come on, and you know, yeah, we need to run the ball, we need to stay committed to the run. We should have given Aaron Jones more touches. Blah 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 blah. Tired of hearing it because they never did it. Well, finally, they walked the walk. Right? They didn't just talk the talk. Now. Is it going to be a one-time thing? <laughs> or are they going to realize, you know, this Aaron Jones guy, uh, he kind of helps. Uh, yeah, he kind of keeps our offense going, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe we should use him and mix in some A.J. Dillon just to punish the defenders, you know? <laughs> and if they do that, maybe Rodgers will settle down a little faster. Yeah, or maybe he'll get offended that he's not throwing a ball enough and throw it all out the window. Who knows? But... Any case, so much for cynicism. One thing Us I like cynical about never. One thing I like about one thing I like about Tony Romo is his favorite word is RPO. Right? I mean, yes. the guy talks about it all the time, and RPO. as he talks about it during the game, 
and you really start processing, wait a minute, obviously you saw he was able to point out times that the running back was moving to get the ball and Rodgers went out and threw an out pass, you know, whether it's to Lazard or whomever. And and here's Romo identifying things correctly. Yep, that was a run pass option. Well, if he's in an RPO, what do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to choose 90 to 95% of the time? Um, is this a trick question? It's really obvious to me. Yeah. Or just rhetorical. Yeah, it is rhetorical. So, okay. but, yes. So, to me, when you're going to say, what was it, 12 first half rushes, 14 second half rushes, eight rushes in overtime, <clears throat> that has to be a design because when you give Rodgers options, he's going to option out. So if you're really focusing on going to the run, you can't give him RPOs. <laughs> you got to give him ROs. That's it. And a good way to do that is to not have him in shotgun all the time. Exactly. Stick him behind the center. Okay. And, you know, cause it's just way too easy when he's in shotgun there, you know, he sees, Oh, I got to throw the ball. I see an opening there. And meanwhile, there could be a hole the size of the Red Sea in the line, but the back isn't getting the ball. Now, of course, we're all over-exaggerating here for effect, but it's fun to do. Isn't it? But I would like to point out that he didn't completely have tunnel vision this past weekend. There was one really pretty screen pass. I think it was to Aaron Jones right in the middle. Wow, you actually went to an option you never, ever, ever, ever do. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. A screen to Aaron, a middle screen to Aaron there Jones? Was, it, yeah, there was like one play. It was he corner maybe? But I remember thinking, wow, he actually went there. Because I, he I, never I, looked think, there. Are you thinking about the pass to Dylan, where Dylan came out of the backfield like he was going to take a handoff, went through the line, and then... No, no. no? I think there was... I don't, I, I don't it, remember it, a screen, middle maybe, screen. Definitely not a middle screen. I'm pretty sure it went to Jones. I could be wrong, but I just remember in the moment going, wow, he uh, that's like option X, Y, or Z, the last things you'll ever look for. Hmm, I don't know. <clears throat> All right. Well, that'll take us to the end of the second quarter, and if we're going to commit to the run, I think we have to call that a win for us. Apparently, Matt LaFleur is listening to our podcast. Run the ball. Run past the ball. episodes Run for the, the last ball. 13 years. Run the ball. That's a win, baby. Even for just one game, we'll take it. We'll take it. And that'll take us to halftime. We'll step into the locker room while you enjoy this message from our sponsor. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? Yeah. If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Oh, yeah. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Oh, yeah. Just go to their website. Do it. TheTicketKing.com. Again, that's TheTicketKing.com. All right. Welcome back. Cheesehead Radio. My name is C.D. Angelie Flanked by Jersey Al Bracco and Kelly Hodgson as we take you into the third quarter. We're going to take a look at some of our draft picks and how we think our players are doing now that we have four games. We call it the quarter. It's not quite a quarter. It's like uh, it's roughly four seventeenths of the season. Close uh, enough. Yeah. You, would, you said there'd be no mass. <laughs> okay. Tradi- tradition has it as the first quarter of the season. Yes, so. we're going to have Kelly figure out what that percentage is. And while we're doing that, uh, let's talk about our draft picks. This was an interesting draft in general anyway, as usual, controversy because we weren't taking the first round wide receivers. 23.5% if you're Thank you. <laughs> Sorry. 
And also, we did get the bonus of some picks due to the Devontae Adams trade, the extra first and extra second, some of which was traded around uh, a little bit to help us get Christian Watson. Let's run through how good this draft has looked after just these first four games. So first round draft pick, of course, we're going to go to our man, Quay Walker. What say you guys? Well, I spoke about him already, Kelly. And I agree. I think he's a work in progress. I don't expect him to be perfect right out of the box. He is a rookie, and I agree with Al. He needs time, experience, and size. But he's where I expect a rookie to be in his position. I'm I'm happy we see some flashes of brilliance, and I'm not going to get frustrated when he flubs up things once in a while because he is a rookie and he's an investment. Yeah, I mean, he's got a very high ceiling, right? And that's what you want. When you're picking your first round pick, you want guys that have a high ceiling, and he definitely has it. Well, and I'll say too, I, I, I'm very, very high on Quay Walker. I agree with you. I think you know his body's just got to grow into being an NFL player a little bit. You know, he's a young kid, yeah. but that also goes to counter some of the arguments, if not some of the strategies, by the Packers front office. Because when you give people these massive, massive. Uh, uh, high salary hits, you know, between David Bakhtiari, Aaron Rodgers, you're supposed to balance that out with guys in their first contracts. That's that's the balance. But then you're trying to essentially create not even depth anymore. You're trying to find starters that are rookies coming out of the draft. And and the reality is, it doesn't matter. All these guys we're going to talk about right now are going to take time to develop. They don't step into your oh my god, our window is closing uh, for a championship season, and they're going to be playing like you know, pro bowlers their first year. So I think Quay Walker is going to be there. I think he's going to be there soon. He's an exciting player, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, definitely worth the pick. Number two, Devontae Wyatt, defensive tackle, 28th pick in the round, three technique guy. What do you think? Uh, yeah, defensive line is, is kind of tough, <laughs> even for, I mean, uh, unless you're an Aaron Donald or something, some superhuman like that. It's tough for, for defensive linemen to break in the first year and really make a big impact. You know, what you see more often than not is what you've seen from Devontae Wyatt, you know, working him in here and there, you know, d- getting some snaps, uh, picking certain situations where they think he's useful in. Um, and that's what we've seen out of him. Um, you know, he hasn't done anything tremendous. He hasn't done anything bad. So that's just another guy that, that needs time to develop. And, you know, he's got the athleticism that, that you want. So you're hoping that the athleticism takes over at some point uh, and he becomes worthy of that first round pick. Yeah, they're slowly integrating him into the defense. I just saw a statistic. He's only had 28 snaps on the season thus far, only five against New England. Mm-hmm. But that's what you do unless you're like a Donald or a BJ Raji, you're going to be slowly integrated into that line. And as you, you build on successes, you'll see more, more, more playing time. Yeah. And, and his, his strength initially is going to be like interior pass rush, which is why you didn't see him a lot against the Patriots because they were running the damn ball over and over again. So, you know, low number of snaps against the Patriots kind of makes sense. And goes back to what I was saying before in uh, situational-wise. They're going to use him initially in the situation that he's going to be best in, and that would be when they want to get some interior pass rush. Yeah, it's, it is interesting, though, that, you know, here's why, it, and you know most defensive linemen take time to develop, but, you know, really our defensive line isn't really 
obviously stopping the run. So clearly why it's not ready to step in and surpass uh, Reed or Lowry or anyone else yet. So again, work in progress. We'll see how it goes. Moving on to the second round, the guy we traded up for Mr. Christian Watson, number nine. What do we think so far, guys? You go, Kelly. He's also somewhere where I kind of expected him to be. You know, he will rise to the top eventually, but right now I'm okay with, and we'll talk about him lower. Romeo Dobbs kind of being the darling right now. Um, and you know, Randall Cobb, who's having a surprisingly good year, and Alan Lazard. But he's an, when you bring in a wide receiver, unless you're a really blue chip, you know, top-tier wide receiver, I don't expect him to, to be a starter out of the box. Yeah, I mean, he's he's not a starter basically because he was hurt most of uh, right. you know, preseason, the, the camp and preseason. So he was behind, and Dobbs got all the snaps probably that he would have gotten. So I, I think that's a big contributor to that. I think you're, as the season goes on, you're going to see him eventually ascend and, and be playing uh, equally, if not as if not more than Dobbs. Uh, right now, Dobbs and Lazard, I think, had the most number of snaps the last game, if I remember correctly. Uh, but Watson is going to come on, you know. And um, I think Rod, yeah, Rogers made some comment about about him saying that. He's the type of guy that you look and say, wow, he's getting open a lot, but we just haven't gotten him the ball. So I think that you're going to start seeing that towards the second half of the season is that they're going to actually start getting him the ball more and not just on end arounds or or reverses type of thing. Yeah, I'd agree. And I, I saw that same thing. Uh, he said something that it, it's a lot like Devontae Adams. Uh, right. Right. A lot like Devontae. And yet we've sort of said the same thing about uh, Dobbs to a degree, too, that, you know, his his athleticism is similar. So <laughs> here's the great news. Maybe we got two Devontae Adamses for the price of one. Uh, but the thing is, Aaron Rodgers may not be around to see both <laughs> these two guys develop into, you know, the superstars that we hope they're going to be. So I love it. I bought his jersey this year. I never do that with a rookie, but which which one, Watson, Christian or, Watson? Yeah, yeah, okay, nice. Yeah, and I don't know if I'd compare him right now to Devontae Adams. You know, that end around reminds me a lot of a very young Randall Cobb. Yeah, I think Dobbs is more to me. Uh, Dobbs is more of the Devontae Adams type um, because you look at, at like his release off the off the ball, and he, he's got some of those same quick quick feet moves that that Adams has um Watson I I think is going to be a premier receiver and he's going to be he's like your big uh who am I thinking of um Megatron you know something like that Uh, Johnson yeah right yeah I I think that's who I'm thinking of is where he can be because I think he's deceptively strong you know I've noticed like the other end around, the one he didn't score on in that game, but he got a second one, and he got hit by four or five different guys, <coughs> excuse me, and just bounced off them, fought through, and got picked up some tough, tough yards, you know. Uh, so he's a little more physical and tougher than than I thought he was. So I think he's going to be more of that big receiver type. Hey, it's going to make a hell of a nice combination. <laughs> Well, I think they complement each other nicely, and I think once yeah. they both get to that level of comfort where they're they're going to be our premier receivers, I think because they are different, will make them very deadly. All right, moving on to the third round, Sean Ryan, offensive lineman. 
Hasn't done anything. Nope. Nothing <laughs> to say. So, in, so incomplete. Yep. Uh, next one would be uh, fourth round, Romeo Dobbs. I think we've talked about yep. him pretty well. Him. Also fourth round, Zach Tom. That's the guy I think. Was that the guy we all predicted they were going to take? No. No? No. Was that Jonathan Ford? There was someone I thought we all predicted they were going to take when we were doing predictions. Um, Offensive lineman, how's he doing? Uh, He's he's shown a little bit in preseason there. He got snaps uh, with the first team uh, until, um, actually, most of them was with the second team. I mean, he got a few with the first team when they were experimenting, but the Packers kind of settled on, God knows why, Hanson and Royce Newman on the right side of the line. Luckily, Elton Jenkins came back and took care of that setup. But, you know, Tom is now your, for this year, he's going to be your backup slash guard slash tackle type, you know, that can come in in case of emergency at any of those positions. So valuable guy to have. I don't think he's going to see much play this year, though. Yeah, I think he's the kind of the band-aid if somebody gets hurt and somebody else gets hurt. So he's number three. He's, he's an understudy, no doubt. Now we dip into the fifth round, and of course, these are guys that you're looking to build depth, and maybe once in a while you'll you know, find a diamond in that rough, but uh, Kingsley Engabare has uh, gotten some mm-hmm. snaps this year, not a ton, he, but... No, he has played, yeah, he has there. played, yeah, he has played much more than I thought he would. I think um, the injury to Barnes has helped, you know, the last two games, I think that upped his snaps um, because of that, but he, I remember... The first game against Minnesota, he was on the field for the first play for the defense. I'm like, oh, what is this? You know, uh, so he, he surprised me. I can't say that I, I've noticed enough about him to really comment on his play, but he's getting in there. He's giving he's giving those edge guys a, a rest, you know, every once in a while. All right. Now we're all the way into the seventh round, Tariq Carpenter. Yeah, he's actually contributed most more than the uh, four, more than the uh, fourth rounders and the and the fifth rounder. They're all on special teams, of course. Yeah. But you know, he is playing on special teams. So seventh round, that's what you want. That's what you're looking for is guys like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's had like six special team snaps in the last game. So on Sunday, so good job there, uh, Jonathan Ford. Hasn't been active yet. So incomplete. Yeah. Incomplete. Uh, Rashid Walker, offensive tackle, also seventh round. Yeah, also hasn't been active. Nope. And finally, Samori Turi. Also hasn't been active. (laughs) No, but but, you know, he he turned some heads in a training camp at least. Early on, in shorts, when they were in shorts. Yes. He didn't get much run after that. Although, actually, I think one preseason game. Didn't he play really well in one preseason game? I thought he did. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think he might have had like six catches, you know, against the third stringers in in one preseason game. So, But that was it for him. But, you know, all those guys made the team. Every single person you mentioned made the team. I don't think he he hasn't been active yet this season. I was trying to remember if he was in. I was trying to remember if he was. Remember that game where we had all the wide receivers out? And I was trying to remember if he was active that game, but I don't think he was. No, he still wasn't, right? Right. Okay. Well, so that's, that's the rookies. That is it. However, we have other additions this year. Oh, yes. Let's run through those. Please. So we got uh, Coco, I think, who actually was a uh, teammate of, gosh, who was it? Was it Tariq Carpenter over at uh, 
I think he was. Maybe he wasn't. Not sure. Anyway, O'Donnell or Jack Coco, who's our long snapper. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh. I don't think uh, Mason Crosby's missed a field goal. Both good additions, right? Mm-hmm. The the field goal operation has been smooth. Uh, the punting from o- from O'Donnell has been above average. He had a great game two two games ago. You know, a good game last week. He was solid. Uh, yeah. 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 Nothing spectacular, but a good game nonetheless. Um, and Coco has been solid on the snaps, especially on the punt snaps, which is what they were worried about because that's something. He didn't do in college, oddly enough. He snapped for field goals, but they brought somebody else in to snap on the punts. So that was the biggest area of concern with him. But there have been nothing but good reports about him, and there's been no hiccups in the games, and that's the ultimate deciding factor there. So good find. Uh, Jerron Reed, defensive lineman, brought in to give us a little depth veteran, veteran experience. Yeah, he's been a, he's been a solid run stopper. He actually had his best game against the Patriots. Um, he had um, four solo tackles, four assists, a sack. So he was he was really came on against the Patriots. Uh, Dallin Levitt. This guy gets more special team snaps than anybody yep. else on the team. He's on he's got to be on like every team because he's like in the twenties. Of special team snaps so it's crazy so valuable pickup for sure so we're definitely finding people that are fitting into to becoming dedicated teams players where last year it really kind of seemed like a mishmash of oh i guess i'll put you in and, you know we start getting consistency yeah. well, and i think that's going to be key is having some people that are there all the time who know how to run these run these plays right and these are people who this is how they've made their place in the league by being special teams players. So they take pride in it. You know, it's not just something else they're being asked to do. This is their role on the team and they take pride in it, you know, and that, that builds a strong unit. And of course it took, you know, the special team disaster we will not speak of last year for the Packers to finally do this, take this approach, but you know, they are reaping the benefits now. Now, last week it was they weren't gunners, they were flyers. There was another term. Was it population downfield? You like send everybody. Like they, they're really. It's a, it's a huge culture change. Yeah, I haven't heard that one, so I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's good for a little piece of trivia there, uh, Kelly. Well, I've uh, been paying attention to what Basanti has been saying. That's why. Uh, Keisha Nixon, if I'm correct, he had a pretty breakout, big uh, breakout game against uh, the Buccaneers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really good play, especially now with Jair out. And exactly, he, he, had, stepped, uh, he stepped. Amos in. was out for a bit, and he's really kind of stepped in with that and helped out with that secondary. Made it not quite so terrible. Yeah, he got he got called out by or complimented by Lafleur in the locker room after the game against the Bucks as a guy who stepped up when he got his opportunity, you know, and gave him a big round of applause in front of the team. And uh, he's been doing great as the other gunner slash flyer uh, on the on the right side of the, of the punting unit. Uh, you know, he downed a ball on the two-foot line last game. So he's also been doing well, contributing on special teams and playing above the level we probably expected when called upon in the, on the defense. So another great pickup. And finally, Rudy Ford, speaking of specialties, pick up. Rudy Ford, God, he came in and he just, I mean, he, the guy is just amazing what he what he does. Um, and you, you saw a great example this last week or several great examples because, and I actually 
pointed this out in my my uh, post for Cheesehead TV yesterday. I showed a video clip of the punt coverage with Rudy Ford and the video clip clip of the punt coverage in the same game without Rudy Ford. Uh, now the reason we had punts being covered in this in against the Patriots without Rudy Ford was because when Amos went down and Ford came in as the, as the safety, they took him off of special teams to kind of protect him a little bit. Well, after the buck, after the Patriots got a total of 49 yards on two punt returns, guess who was back on the final punt? Rudy Ford. So the Packers learned their lesson. <laughs> and, you know, without him, it's a whole different look. Let me tell you, it's a whole different look. Yeah, so I think we have to be happy with uh, a lot of those guys. We had one late addition, Eric Wilson, uh, linebacker. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he was with the Vikings. Guy. Yep. Yeah, he was with the Vikings for like four years and kind of bounced around the last two. He was on the Saints practice squad where they uh, plucked him from. Um, you know, he had two seasons where he was ranked in the top 10 of all special team players in the NFL by – pro football focus uh and of course the packers needed some more linebacker depth depth with uh, chris barnes on injured reserve so he serves a dual purpose and he went straight to the roster uh, which you have to when you claim somebody off a practice squad but uh he was a little bit a little undersized for an every every down player but he's fast he ran like a four five forty very uh a, a 9.48 ras score all, all around, so very athletic. Um, so I think this is going to be another good pickup by Goody midseason. Well, Perfect. Quarters, quarter 23.5% season or whatever it was. <laughs> 23.5 and some there you go. That was it, I remembered. Wow, that's shocking. You did. Yeah. I'm very impressed. Well, and, so and, I would definitely call this a win. I think this, yeah. compared to others, the last couple of drafts, I think – We've had multiple players that are already contributing early in their careers, and I'm really happy with this draft class. Yeah, the draft class, you know, everybody makes a team. The other additions, everybody's contributing. It's a it's a real reworking of, of the roster, and uh, I think a good one. Well, plus once again, it hard to do, but you got to give Brian Gutekunst credit here for what he's been able to find for some diamonds in, from the free agent market too, because, you know, Absolutely. from Devonta Kandrew was a Douglas last yep. year, uh, obviously bringing in uh, Jaron Reed and a couple of these other guys, Rudy Ford. He's not afraid to use the free agent market to bring in and, and develop some depth. Absolutely not. So, yep, there's another win. So we're three and zero going into our fourth quarter. Ladies and gentlemen, Packers are finally going to Europe. Uh, it's, it's been quite a while. Uh, in fact, it's never happened. This is their never first happened. time. The last team, last team that has last not one. gone to Europe. The last holdout. And, and as we record this, the Packers are probably in the air, but they're kind of double top secret about their takeoff. But I'm going to yeah, assume they're, they're in, in the air right now. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah. Oh, perfect. So, well, why don't we run through, uh, Kelly? We want to run through some of our injuries we have so far and what you think is so, going to come out of those. The one that's looming large, obviously, is Jair Alexander. And as of yesterday, he was limited practice. But in a surprise, that really kind of he's full practice as of today. He needed a fanfare for that. Oh, it's like, thank you, baby Jesus, and all the little fishes for that one, because it's going to be so good to have him back. Yes, that's nice. That's a nice, pleasant surprise. Full participation. In cautiously optimistic, where I did not think he would even make it onto 
even limited play. We're going from do not practice to limited play with Adrian Amos, and he's moving along in his concussion protocol. So I'm cautiously optimistic that he may may pass protocol by Sunday. That would be wonderful. Bakhtiari and Jenkins are listed as limited practice with their knees. I'm not going to read anything into that, and I'm just going to expect they're going to be limited practice all season to protect their knees. So when they play, yep. hooray, I don't think they'll go beyond limited practice. Yep, that's the plan. It's Adrian Carpenter with limited practice with an abdomen injury, probably a, a pull. Alan Lazard, limited practice with his ankle. And now that's what he had stepped on, correct? Yeah, he's been he's been dealing with that you know, the entire season since he, since he first heard it. Uh, and I think that's probably something that's going to stay with him on some level, you know, going forward. And really the best thing for it is probably going to be the, the, um, the bye week but that's not for quite some time. time. Yeah. No, normally it would be coming up this next week after a London game, but, but the Packers and the Giants, both chose not to do that and to have their bye week later in the season. So, so they're gambling later. Yep. Yeah. And so I would not be surprised if he's limited practice until yeah, they're gonna, fully injures. Right. They're going to give him reviews. as much, as much time off the ankle as they can. Yeah. Josh Myers is limited practice of the foot injury. And the only disappointment was Devonte Watt, Wyatt going from limited practice to did not practice today with his quadricep injury. So he went in the wrong direction. Right. Everybody, everything else is looking up. <clears throat> Josh Myers well, may have also had a, an injured ego from Aaron Rodgers yelling at him to snap the ball last week. <laughs> snap the effing ball. <laughs> and if you look at the other side, it doesn't look like is, is this, it could still happen, but it doesn't look like we'll be facing another QB three. Tyrod Taylor's still out with his concussion. He did not practice yeah, this he's late. Probably the, not going to make. Uh, but Daniel Jones went from not playing to limited practice with his ankle. So. They had tried some other guys out, but I'm going to assume that Jones will be good to go. I think they, they may have signed Jake from, I think I saw that. Oh, somewhere. they were, they were, they, they tried him out and they tried. But did they sign him? I, I thought they, they may have signed him. I don't know. They, may have. Sure. they have it's, an insurance policy for certain. And then big names on, on their side that did not practice this week would be Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, uh, Cordell Flott and Julian Love. They were all out. One, one injury or another, they're lacking some defensive backs. So this would be a good time for Rodgers to figure out his, his passing game. Yeah, you sure want that two-time reigning MVP to eventually figure out his passing game. So great. Well, he sure didn't do it last week. That's for well, sure. I know. You know me. All right. Well, you know, some good news. We'll call that a push. So we're going to finish 3-0-1. and one for this great game against uh, London, or excuse me, against the Giants in London. Let's get to our Packers game prediction. Cheesehead Radio, Packers game predictions. So the Packers head out on Thursday today for their first overseas NFL game. Actually, the last NFL team to draw the short straw. Playing against the New York Giants, the Packers have started out as eight-point favorites. For a game that's going to kick off at a very unusual time for us here, 8.30 a.m. Lambeau Standard Time. What do you say is going to happen? Jersey, as always, we'll start with you. Well, the Packers finally make it to London, and as CD has stolen my thunder twice now in the last five minutes, they are the last NFL team to do so. Are they really? That's yeah. so cool. Did you hear that? Yeah, it's a rumor. 
The Giants come in with a surprising, and I say surprising, 3-1 record. But it's come at a hard cost injury-wise. While it's beginning to look like Daniel, Daniel Jones will try to play on Sunday, his top receivers will be out. That would be Kenny Galladay, Kadarius Toney, and one other name I can't remember. Uh, the Packers are still looking to put together a complete 60 minutes of good football. And while this may not be the week, they should be able to send the Giants out to the nearest pub after the game to drown their sorrows. Packers 31, Giants 16. Packers in London for the first time. My favorite team in one of my favorite cities. Against the Giants, no less. Tyrod Taylor's hurt. Daniel Jones is nursing an injury. Not only did they try out Jake Fromm, they tried out A.J. McCarron this past week, so they may or may not have an insurance. It's possible they could be facing a QB3, but less likely. But let's hope they don't make complete fools of themselves on the international stage. But we have it going for us that the Packer Nation travels well. They are already arriving in London. A cheesehead has been sighted in one of the train stations. As goofy as that is, I think... It might feel like a home game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. You're going to hear Go Pack Go take over the stadium. The Packers will look better this week. Pack 35, Giants 21, even if the boys tried to sabotage my paragraph. <laughs> um, as for me, I'm going to say that this game should be a lock. in Green. If this is played in Green Bay, it's a lock. If it's in New York, I think it's a lock. My fear is that in London, it's just a weird vibe that makes me think that we've got jet lag, we've got unusual settings. I just feel like, oh my gosh, something could go out there and we could just be having another odd, you know, thing that happens again. I think that 80% of that stadium is going to be in Green Bay's camp. And it's an opportunity for a lot of Europeans to come see their favorite team in action. It's going to feel a little bit like a home game at the end. So I'm going to say Packers 27, Giants 23. Thank you so much for joining us tonight on Cheesehead Radio, now in our 13th season. Make sure to head over to PackersTalk.com where you can listen to several unique Packers podcasts. Please follow at PackersTalk.net on Twitter and like us on Facebook. Cheesehead Radio and all Packers Talk podcasts can be, for, can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the pod, show us some love and leave us a review. You can also find us on Siri, Alexa, or Google just by saying, play Packers Talk podcast. Finally, please be sure to head over to our sponsor, Ticket King. You can find them across the street from Lambeau Field in Milwaukee or on the web at theticketking.com. That's theticketking.com. It's early morning, Sunday in London. Go Pack Go! Thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. We'll see you next week. Go Pack Go! Go Pack! Kind of have like a bitterness about you doing this podcast. I, a little. It's just, it just becomes super passive aggressive. Oh, that is it because of us? Is he jealous? Or no, what? it's not that. It's jealous. just <laughs> whatever. I'm gonna go record a podcast with two handsome Italian men. 
You know, Pamphlets. that would that would upset a lot of men. It really would. Oh, yeah. I, I, I totally oh, understand. I have, I have one the lottery with these guys. <laughs> Especially the handsome part. 